0: Now you're going to have to be a lifelong learner. Those days of getting that degree and working at one company is probably not the future. And what is important is that we all upskill at various points. And as a result, we need to support the ability to utilize the latest technology like AI, You know, that wasn't a critical issue or a critical skill set that maybe was needed five, ten years ago. But now it is. And how do we incorporate that into our jobs so that we're not made redundant and constantly learning?
1: The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So, how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barcy, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships, and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barcy, And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Future of Work podcast. I am your host, Salvatrice Kumo. Today, we will learn about the City of Los Angeles Economic and Workforce Development Department and what the department does. We will also talk about some of the practices and priorities for the economic and workforce development in the City of LA and in what ways we can better prepare for the future of work. With that being said, we are excited to have Carolyn Hull with us here today. Ms. Hull is the General Manager of the Economic and Workforce Development Department for the City of Los Angeles. Carolyn has been with the City of Los Angeles since January of 2020, where under her leadership has administered a distribution of $100 million in COVID-19 related financial economic release programs, some of which include the City of LA Small Business Emergency Grant Fund, the Los Angeles Regional COVID-19 Fund, and the Los Angeles COVID-19 Child Care Provider Grant Program. Before this role, Ms. Hull was Vice President of Strategic Initiatives and Industry Cluster Development at the Los Angeles County Economic Development Corporation. That's a lot, Carolyn. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. You're a rock star. I'll tell you what. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to
0: be here. It's a pleasure to see you again.
1: Oh, very good. Likewise. Likewise. Well, let's dive right in. This is work that you and I love to talk about because this is what we do all day, every day. So I'm really excited for our audience to kind of hear more from the city of Los Angeles perspective on economic and workforce development. So just as what I normally do on my podcast, I'd like the guests to share a little bit more about your work and the history and what continues to interest you in this arena of economic and workforce development.
0: Well, thank you for that. My work trajectory certainly has been a journey. But to be honest, cities and the linkages of the built environment, education, transportation, economic mobility have fascinated me since my childhood in Brooklyn, New York, and Jersey City, New Jersey. I'm trained as an economist and urban planner, and in the early part of my career, I was an economist with DRI, Standard & Poor's and later a land use consultant with CBRE. And before joining LAEDC, as you just indicated, I spent approximately seven years at the redevelopment agency for the city of Los Angeles, where I worked on uh, place-based initiatives, primarily in South LA, and applied like innovative financing tools like new market tax credits to fill the void left from traditional capital's unwillingness to develop commercial or mixed-use projects in underserved communities. I then transitioned to LAEDC, and in that role I started to think about a city's economic base, the major industry clusters, and educational attainment of residents, and how that impacts economic mobility. I'm still very interested in all of those areas, but in my current role at EWDD, I'm focused on breaking down the silos of economic and workforce development. I see them as flipped sides of the same coin, and I want to leverage the ecosystems of both aspects of the department to optimize outcomes. And what I mean by this is that the city supports 16 work source centers, 10 business source centers, 14 youth source centers, and numerous incubators. I want to align the goals of that ecosystem. It sounds simple, but it's quite a challenge. Let me just give you an example. We recently concluded the Meta Facebook Internship Program. Over 200 youth participated in a city-funded paid digital marketing and social media training and internship. The youth were placed at local businesses that were being served by our business source centers to enhance the digital footprint in the marketplace for these small mom and pop shops. Facebook, our private sector partner, provided training and mentorship to the students. It was a successful pilot, and I want to scale that up in the coming years and scale up other successful projects like that that really leverage our ecosystem.
1: That's excellent. And that gives us a little bird's eye view of what your department is doing for the city of Los Angeles. And I know there's so much more um, work there. I mean, there's lots of moving parts to this engine that we have to move, which is economic and workforce development. You mentioned, you know, breaking down silos and working collaboratively with all areas within the city of Los Angeles. And, you know, we do that too, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. All big public entities have the tendency of sometimes working in their siloed areas. So what might that look like to break down those silos? I think I could learn from you here. It'd be a learning moment for me (laughs) for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? I think what helped, oddly enough, in breaking down the silos was a pandemic. Okay. A pandemic knows no boundaries. And so hence, we couldn't solve the problem with being in our silos so when the pandemic hit, we immediately reached out to our counterparts at the county, our counterparts in philanthropy, the private sector. We had literally daily conversations and we put together something called the LA Regional COVID Fund. Mm. And that for me was the model because suddenly we had to figure out what each entity could provide and what our best skill sets were to deliver what the residents and the small businesses in the city of Los Angeles needed. What residents and businesses don't want to hear when they're in a crisis is when they call for someone to say, I'm sorry, you're in the wrong jurisdiction. That's right. You need to be an X. So we decided that we would build platforms where literally when a business would put in their information, even if you weren't in the city of L.A., you never knew that. The system took care of that and sent it over to the county. That simple technical aspect of what we did was so instrumental in us being seamless to the outside world and having people honestly say, you're here to help me. It doesn't matter what jurisdiction I'm in.
1: Right, right. And it sounds like because you started in January of 2020,
0: Well, so actually, right before. <laughs>
1: to
0: be honest with you, I was probably confirmed in January 2020. I don't think I started till like the second or third week of February. I didn't even know where the bathrooms were when the mayor, <laughs> when the mayor said the safe red home orders. Mm-hmm. So it was a whirlwind event. But again, I have to admit, crisis brings out the best of people, if we're lucky. And in this instance, we were so focused on delivering for the needs of the community that it almost didn't matter. It was nonstop 24-hour activity. But yes, I had no idea where the bathrooms were. (laughs)
1: Because I was going to say, it's like you don't really have a reference point of what it was pre-pandemic because, well, you weren't there. (laughs) There was
0: no pre-pandemic for me.
1: (laughs) You weren't there. So it did allow for like immediate creativity and immediate collaboration in a way that most public entities have never seen before. Absolutely. Yeah. I would imagine that that was quite interesting. And and you learned about a model that can be replicated post-pandemic, as you mentioned, like the LA Regional COVID COVID Fund, right? Yeah. Like that was a model that just, boom, it just got implemented with a simple yet significant use of technology and everyone sees the benefits of really coming together and solving a problem.
0: Right. We were focused on solving the problem, but also we were really focused on equity. Mm. One of the things that I'm proudest of, of the programs that we put together, is that, first of all, it was coming out of the silos. But the second aspect of it was looking at the fact that the original federal funding from the government, the PPP... Mm -hmm really didn't hit those businesses and individuals in underserved communities. Okay. We developed a system that prioritized small businesses in those communities. So when we talk about the over 100 million dollars that we sent out to the community and businesses, vast majority of that went to business owners and street vendors and childcare providers that were people of color in areas that had been underinvested in. It seemed like a simple thing, but really kind of developing systems that really prioritized those individuals and businesses in those areas was another great aspect of a model that we are now carrying forward. Not that we weren't thinking about it before, but we were very intentional about it during the COVID regional fund.
1: Right. And there was certainly a sense of urgency as well. You know, it's not something that could have been vetted slowly or piloted slowly. It was something that, you know, you needed to activate very quickly. And so fast forward, right? We're in 2023, rapidly fast forwarded to 2023. You know, let's pause here and think, you know, how do you feel about the priorities of your area? What are some of those priorities now that... Some of the dust has settled post-pandemic. Where's your direction headed and priorities headed for the city?
0: Thank you for that. We have several. I think one of the top priorities for us is expanding youth employment programs. Beautiful. As in the pre-pandemic labor market, large segments of the population continue to struggle to recover from setbacks over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And youth in particular endured the highest levels of job losses and educational losses during that time through distance learning. So we're really focusing on a youth-source system to better incorporate career pathways. And as you know, the governor has put forward an allocation of funding for California for All, where we are, again, being intentional, focusing on youth, but also really looking at career pathways. Another aspect that we're focusing on is prioritizing supporting training programs in growth industry sectors, whether it's youth or adult, and to develop publicly owned land designated for job generation, toward and not for growth companies. And what I mean by that is looking at what the growth industries are, or what are emerging industries in the city and the county of Los Angeles, and making sure that we have a relationship with the private sector and supporting the development of the facilities they need so that they can remain in this area. Great example of that is the bioscience sector. Yes. It's an emerging sector. They have specific physical needs and making sure that we're able to meet those base needs while training individuals for the middle skill jobs is really critical to the growth of the economy of this region.
1: Got it. And with the unemployment rate right now being at 4.5% and these priorities are really kind of gearing towards, you know, minimizing that percentage specifically around the career pathways, because I find that very, very exciting. You know, that speaks our language, our community college language. Can you unpack that a little bit more with me? What does that look like? What are some ideas that are being generated from career pathways? And most importantly, I invite my colleagues here at the community college to be of service to the region and to the city of LA. And how do we become better stewards and partners to your work, so that we can assist you in pushing that priority forward?
0: Well, that's great because we need partnerships. But first, let me address the comment of the low unemployment. We rather have a low unemployment rate than a high unemployment rate. But even when the prior to the pandemic, when the county was actually growing at a very significant clip, the Los Angeles County had the highest poverty rate in the country. So while the unemployment rate may be relatively low, we have to look at the number of people living in poverty and the level of income that people are to survive with. And that means looking at the types of jobs we're generating. And so really what we'd like to look at is working with community colleges to upskill or reskill individuals so they can take advantage of some of these growth occupations, which do not require a four-year college degree. And also, looking at how do we provide childcare and other wraparound services so that people can take advantage of these training programs. It's one thing to say you have a training program, but as a mother, I can tell you one of the biggest challenges to my getting to work is childcare and transportation. So while we're looking at these programs, we have to work collaboratively, I think, between the private sector, the workforce system, including, and most importantly, community colleges, as to providing funding that will take care of the holistic needs of our students.
1: If you had a magic wand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had one, by the way. I already love the question.
1: (laughs) What could we as a community college do for you, like specifically, like, Salvatrice, I need you to fill in the blank.
0: I think what the community colleges could do for us is probably strengthen the relationship with the private sector so we know that we're having these certificate programs so that we can place individuals in a job. And what I mean by that is government doesn't do a great job of working with the private sector to determine what the skills are that they're looking for. And I think the community colleges are probably best aligned to do that. And I'd like us to better work together because these businesses are also busy, right? So if I put together a working group to call Business X to find out what skills they're needing, and then another company does it and the community college to do it, they're just gonna be overwhelmed. And I'd love us to designate the community college system with whomever you're gonna work with to be that voice with the private sector to determine what skills they need, and then we can act
1: on those programs. So can you do that for me, Salvatrice? I sure can. You actually, you know what? I think I can. Oh, you. <laughs> and you know, the only reason why I can I confidently say that we can, is because we are currently building that centralized, streamlined approach to employer engagement via the Los Angeles Regional Consortium, for which falls under my purview in my division. So I think we could probably, you know, pilot a few things And unpack that and explore that even further because the Los Angeles Regional Consortium, the LARC, is designed to do that, is designed to be a central hub, a central focal point for industry engagement, again, in a very streamlined approach so that it doesn't make it so complicated from our side, right? You and I, from the government side, then from the employer side, and most importantly makes it a much more pleasant experience for the student who engages in some of these activities.
0: So that's a partnership I want us to start immediately. And I would love for our team to maybe either be part of your consortium on a regular basis or get updates. I think that would be a critical partnership as we move forward.
1: You bet. I am. As soon as we're okay. done, as we conclude this, I'm on it. <laughs> that's Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. You Thank you. I mean, you touched on poverty, right? So let's kind of circle back to that. We touched on poverty. The mayor has made it a number one priority for the city, from what I understand. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the job opportunities are limited for a number of reasons, skills, willingness from the employers and industry, et cetera how do we better serve this community in a way that's intentional and customized because it's not a one size fits all approach to lower the bar, lower the percentage of unemployment. Like well, I guess what I'm trying to say is our approach to some of the things like career pathways or training opportunities, mm-hmm. they're going to be very different for this community. And so what could we do? Like how do we explore that more and what could we do to be a partner in that work as well?
0: Well, that's a great question, and it's a complicated solution, and if it wasn't, we would have solved it already. But one of the areas that I want to uplift is a program that we have here called LA Rise. It's an innovative collaborative partnership that unites the city and county of Los Angeles' workforce systems with nonprofit social enterprises and for-profit employers in order to help men, women, and youth with high barriers to employment get jobs and stay employed. And they particularly work closely with those that are either unhoused or in danger of becoming unhoused. And after working in a transitional job at a social enterprise and leveraging training and social services from the work source centers, LA Rise participants are placed in for-profit entities. And let me say a little bit why that's important. And when we say social enterprises, I mean the Downtown Women's Center, Goodwill. It's really important as people are entering this system, as if they're coming back from being touched by the justice system, that they have a support system around them. So what the LA Rise program does is it not only allows people to get back into a rhythm of workforce while being paid, but they're also given the support system around them that they need so that they can become self-sufficient. And if, for example, they show up to work late a couple days in a row, maybe if they went right into the private sector, they may be fired. In this system, someone goes and gives them the support they need. And I think scaling up programs like LA Rise is really critical because it allows us to give, again, treating people where they are in a holistic fashion, giving them a job and working with their situation and providing them with an opportunity to actually re-enter the workforce in a systematic fashion.
1: I love that. Is there a way that we can work together in amplifying the work of LA Rise or scaling that work? I mean, what do you see as the need in order to scale?
0: We need more employers, okay. right? So once we go through the transitional system, and now they've gone through that transitional system, and now they're looking for that, their first job in the private sector, that bridge is where we would love to work with your consortium to find the right occupation so that we could seamlessly move people in from transitional employment into private sector employment. That's another area of Salvatrice. We've got a lot to follow up on.
1: We've got a lot of work to do. (laughs) I'll tell you what. (laughs) I think that's the beauty of this work. I mean, the beauty of this work is that it's so fluid. And it's so fluid in that there is always room for improvement. There's always room for creativity and innovation and doing things a little bit differently. Because at the end of the day, right, we're helping people. We're helping people sustain and get into jobs and directly impacts our local economy. And so, who doesn't want a community that's flourishing? Who doesn't want a community that is vibrant because, you know, unemployment is super low and employers are engaged and colleges are producing the talent and upskilling the existing talent that is out there with our employers. So, I mean, this work is ever changing and that's what makes it exciting. So, all that to say, I've got work to do. <laughs>
0: We're going to do it together. But yes, you have work to do. You have work
1: to do. We have work to do. But you know, this is the Future of Work podcast. And this would not be the Future of Work podcast if I didn't ask this question to my guests. And I ask every guest this question. You know, if there was one thing that you would like our listeners to understand about what we've talked about today or things that are kind of percolating in your world as it relates to the future of work, what might that be?
0: I think one of the things that we didn't touch on enough is the fact that, you know, obviously it's called the future of work and the landscape is changing. And I think your listeners probably need to understand that now you're going to have to be a lifelong learner. Those days of getting that degree and working at one company for the next 20, 30 years is probably not the future. And what is important is that we all upskill at various points. And as a result, we need to support the ability to, how to utilize the latest technology, like AI. right? You know, that wasn't a critical issue or a critical skill set that maybe was needed five, ten years ago. In fact, I know that. But now it is, and how do we incorporate that into our jobs so that we're not made redundant and constantly learning? I think that's really important. The other aspect is we really want our private sector partners to understand that we want to provide people with living wage jobs and we want to give people an opportunity to succeed. Maybe they didn't go to the fanciest schools, but they've had life experience. And to really look at life experience and to give credit for that so we can move people into these middle-skill jobs.
1: You make a very, very, very valid point in that there's elements and variables to this work that forces us to evolve, right? That forces us to think things differently, do business differently, create programs that are different. And I really, really appreciate that you shared all of that. And I feel like there's a part two to this conversation, both, you know, recorded on this podcast as well as out of the podcast. But, you know, I really appreciated our time here. And listen, our door is open. This podcast is open. Anytime you want to talk about some stuff relating to economic and workforce development, we're here. We're absolutely here, Carolyn.
0: Well, fantastic. And I really mean it. Let's get together after this and brainstorm with our teams on how to deepen the relationship and the partnership.
1: I would love it. Absolutely love it. You know, for our listeners who would like to connect with you, hopefully some private sector folks, right? Some of the private industries, how could they connect with you? And what's the best way?
0: Okay. Probably the best way is to go to our website, EWDDLACity.com. So that's ewddlacity.com dot com, and you'll see contact information. You'll be able to get in touch with me personally and our staff. You'll find our work source centers, our youth source centers. So please hit the website.
1: Fantastic! Thank you so very much. We'll be sure to enter those into the show notes. I look forward to chatting with you in just a little while. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Karen. Thank
0: you. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.